Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Well, we are going to study through an entire book of the Bible, so hopefully we're not here for two hours, but if you can open up to 2 John. It's a short little book, don't you guys worry here. Pick something up on my way in here. Neat little sticker. You guys pick one of these things up, put it on your car. Represent. Um, But also this guy right here. Um, If you haven't picked up one of these, if you do one thing this year, read through the entire Bible, amen? Has ever done that? So, um, and it's cool that you guys are doing it as a fellowship uh, to read together because when you guys see each other, you can be like, oh man, Matthew chapter one, what did you get out of that? And uh, it's a neat thing to do. So pick up one of these cards. I encourage you to study and read every day. Um, It keeps Satan away, I guess. It doesn't really, but uh, it rhymed. Second John. Um, before I start, I just want to say how much I love you guys. Uh, I love this church. Um, I came from California, and I love our sending church. We planted a church in Boulder. Uh, we've been there for almost three years, and uh, it's been wonderful and difficult. Uh, and now. I'm pastoring the church in Broomfield, but this is my keeping church. Uh, Pastor Ed is my pastor, and uh, I love him dearly. Um, I listen to every message on the weekend, so I'm gleaning and learning uh, along with you guys. And uh, I count, I just, I love you guys. Really, I do. And uh, thank you for just supporting your pastor and Grace FM, as I have worked, I would listen to it on the radio and just be blessed and encouraged. So thank you guys, uh, and I'm, I'm excited. So if you're new here, come back. Uh, God has you here for a reason, and God's going to speak to you tonight. But uh, you are in, I believe, the best church in Colorado. Amen? Um, I believe that, that you guys have the best pastor and leadership You guys hear the word, fill the Holy Spirit. Um, God is moving in this place continually. So we are going through truth and love in 2 John. And a question I have for you guys is, do you have a a perfect balance with truth and love? I don't think any of us do, um, but I heard this. If you have truth without love, that's brutality. If you have love without truth, that's hypocrisy. If you have truth and love, that's Christianity. And so you can have so much truth. You can be so right that you're wrong and just bashing everybody over the head with the Bible. Um, And that's what the Pharisees had, is that they knew all the truth, but they didn't live it out. And they just told everybody what to do, but they didn't actually obey what was told. And so they were brutal. A brutal people. Um, but then you have other people that are just so loving that they say yes to everything and uh, there's no truth. It's just like, man, you're okay. I'm okay. We're okay. Let's sing Kumbaya. And uh, that sounds great and all, but 
that can chain you into sin and bad habits. And so Jesus had both truth and love, amen? When we read his life, he perfectly was, he obeyed the law. He had truth, but also he was loving. Filled with the Holy Spirit, every single person that he wouldn't come in contact with, he loved. And so we are little Jesuses, we are Christians, we are Christ followers, and we want to be like Jesus, amen? Come on, it's Wednesday night, you guys, I don't want you guys to be sleeping or anything, so uh, I need a, an amen here and there. Thank you, bro. Um, so two things in 2 John. It's kind of easy to remember. Uh, 2 John has two things, truth and love. And that's what John is going to remind these people, remind us tonight about truth and love. And this is just how Jesus lived. And John penned this in his introduction um, to in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so tonight, John's going to continue to remind us over and over to love one another and stick with the truth. Stay true to the Word of God. So if you're taking notes, the outline is truth and love. The first thing is transcendent truth and love, found in verses 1 through 3. Second thing is a traveling truth and love in verses 4 through 6. The third thing is tough truth and love in verses 7 through 11. And the fourth thing is a tangible truth and love in verses 12 through 13. If you guys are in 2 John, let's go ahead and read the entirety of the book and break it down verse by verse. 2 John verse 1. The elder... To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourself that we do not lose the things we've worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and to speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your truth, Lord, in your word. 
God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that you would lead us to Jesus, Lord, that we would be different, Lord, that we would be more loving, Lord, that we would be more truthful like your son, and we ask it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Truth and love. First point is transcendent truth and love found in verses 1 through 3. Uh, The word transcendent means it's beyond or above the range of normal or merely physical human experience. And so we serve and believe in an invisible God, but He can be experienced. Jesus said that the pure in heart will see God. Also, the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 11 that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so if we have faith, then we can please the Lord. And so Jesus is alive, amen? That he is saving souls, he is changing lives, he is orchestrating history, and there are things that only Christians can experience. Only people that place their trust in Jesus will experience these things, and these are important beliefs in Christianity. And so again, if you're new to the faith or you're just checking it out, here are a few things found in chapter, or the first, there's only one chapter, verse 1 through 3 that are transcendent um, beyond human experience, but they are true And so, starting in verse 1, it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Back in the day, before emails and whatnot, uh, they would write on parchment, they would be scrolls, and they would unroll this letter. And so if you wrote a scroll, if you wrote a letter, you would see your name and, okay, this person is writing to me. I like this person. I'll read the rest of the letter. And John calls himself the elder. The word elder means presbyteros. That's the Greek word for it. It means of age, advanced in life, or rank of office. Uh, It's interchangeable, elder for bishop, uh, pastor. And John, um, his name isn't mentioned, but his... His signature is. Uh, if you've read the Gospel of John, Revelation, or any of his letters, he has the same kind of verbiage, the same way of writing, and that's what we see here in 2 John, and his fingerprints are all over it, and also there are at least three early church fathers that mention John as the author. And uh, if you're not familiar with John the Elder, he's my, personally, besides Jesus, he's my favorite guy in history. Um, He was called as a teenager, like I was, to follow Jesus. He left his father's lucrative business um, to follow him and to learn of who Jesus was and to follow the Messiah. And he wasn't the beloved apostle like we know now. He was the son of what? Son of thunder, him and his brother. And the reason why is because he just flew off the lid. Anytime he'd just blow up on people, um, whenever he was kicked out of a town, he'd like, Jesus, fire to this town. Let's burn them all. Come on, Jesus. Um, also, before Jesus died, the last conversation was, you know what? I'm the greatest disciple. Uh, why don't I sit next to you, Jesus, in heaven? That sounds like a good idea. And so he was just this um, loose cannon for 
uh, a follower of Jesus, and he was young and dumb as he followed the Lord in the beginning, but then he started to learn of Jesus and learn to be loving. We see him at the end of Jesus' life as uh, they had this intimate relationship, and, and John was able to put his head on Jesus' chest, and even John being the last person uh, to be there, the last disciple to see Jesus die. And Jesus said, John, take care of my mom. And that's what he did. We know that by church history. Uh, after, I believe, Acts chapter 9, we don't see or hear about John. Um, and he kind of lives in obscurity. And I believe there's power in that, that he obeyed Jesus and he took care of Mary. Um, he pastored the church in Ephesus. This is where he wrote this letter from and writing this letter to. And we see him kind of rise to the surface in uh, 90 AD, and he writes the gospel, and he writes his letters in the book of Revelation. Uh, but I love John because he's the apostle of love. And he didn't start that way, but learning from Jesus and gleaning from Jesus and walking with Jesus, he became the apostle of love. And because Jesus changed his lives and he changed John's life, uh, I believe, and he has changed my life and he's changing your life as well. As Paul wrote to the Philippians, we can be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a great work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God's not done yet. Amen? Uh, something that Pastor Ed always writes and says is the best is yet to come. And uh, I, lo I love that. And so he says, the elder to the elect lady. Um, this lady, it could be an actual woman. Uh, her name isn't mentioned, but also it could be a church or just a mention to, a, a, to the church. And so um, again, John is writing from Ephesus, the mega church in the area, to um, this gal or possibly even the small groups or home Bible studies there. And I love, too the, I love that the Holy Spirit did not tell us if it's a gal in particular or just the church in general, and he doesn't clarify and allows application without debates. But I think it's important to know that we are a part of a bigger picture, is that we are here in Calvary Chapel Aurora, the Little C Church. This is our fellowship. This is where we do life. This is where we serve. Um, but also we are a part of the Big C Church as Christians, that we're a part of something bigger uh, than we can see. We're a part of the bride of Christ, and Jesus loves his bride. And he says, to the elect lady and her children, this could be a gal with a bunch of kids and no daddy. Um, but I, honestly, I see this as the church. We are the children of God. And uh, I adore my wife, Ashley. I would die for her, uh, but now I just, I live for her. Um, and also... Um, I love my precious sons. I have four boys, and I would do anything for them. And seeing the love that I have for them, it is finite. It, I'm sinful, and I fail. But how much more does God love us? How much more does God love the, the bride of Christ and the children of God? And so we can see this. We can see that John loved the church, that John didn't just love the church, but he loved Christians. He loved individual Christians, and he's writing this letter to them. And so uh, before we really speed through this book, I do want to stop and, and consider these two words that we're looking at, truth and love. And it's found here in verse 1. It says, to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth. The word love is agape. It means to be pleased with, to welcome, to entertain, or to give without expectation. 
And I love a lot of things. I love football. I love in and out Burgers, they're coming to Colorado. Thank you, Jesus. I love, yeah, that's, yeah. No, I love street tacos and going to church, and I love my wife, Ashley. Now, I love all those things much differently, right? I love my wife a lot different than street tacos. And so this word, agape, uh, it's good to know what it is. You know, so what is love? There's four Greek words for love. The, the first one is storge. This is family affection. Uh, it's when we see babies or puppies. We're like, oh, I love puppies, you know? Um, or there's phileo, which is brotherly love, like Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Um, and that's you and I have something in common. We love the Broncos. Yay, Broncos. You love the Broncos? He loves the Broncos. So we can be homies. Love you, bro. Um, different. Uh, Then there's eros. This is the physical attraction. You can also use this as lust. Uh, God made this in the context of marriage and marriage only. And this is when you hear a song and the singer says, I love you. Uh, This is what he's talking about. And so ladies, whenever a guy says, I love you, baby, that's not agape. Just say, you're not the one. I'm sorry. Um, But the one that John speaks of often Uh, He actually says it over, I think, 70 times or over 70 times in his writings is the word agape, which is selfless acts of kindness. And this is the love of God. This is where we have the greatest verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, agape the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Also, John penned this in 1 John 3, 16, that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Um, I heard this, uh, J. Vernon McGee, if you guys have ever heard that, old, old school preacher, he said there should be a little bit more love for the brothers and a little less love for the sistren. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. But transcendent love of God, that we can be loved by a God that we don't see, that we can experience the love of God, that he makes me more like him. He makes me more loving and selfless like Christ. And only Christians can experience the love of God. Only Christians can find out how much God loves us and find out the height of love. Everybody else experiences eros, phileo, or storge, but only in Jesus Christ can we experience and express agape love, and it starts at the foot of the cross. And he says, I love in truth. The word truth is aletheia. It means reality, fact, certainty, or the greatest teaching. And possibly, uh, you may have heard this, especially if you go up to Boulder, you hear a lot of funky things. Uh, But I've heard truth is what you think it is. Or your truth is cool for you. That's your truth, but my truth is good for me. And that's absurd. That doesn't make any sense at all. And so let me illustrate this ridiculous claim in this way. Imagine you are on a journey and you see something and you're not really sure what it is. And on your journey, uh, you see another person like, what is that thing? He's like, oh, that's easy. That's a person 
waving at us, and we should go. And so you go with somebody else, you're like, what is this thing? And the next person says, oh, that's easy. It's an eagle flapping its wings on a pole. And uh, it's like, okay, I don't think so. I think it's the guy waving. And the next person you go up to is like, what is that thing up there? It's like, oh, that's easy. It is a pole with a flag on it, and it's waving. And so the four of you finally get up to this object, and you see that it is a pole with a note on it, and it says, this is a note on the pole. End of story. What does it mean? Well, it can mean that truth is subjective, man. You can believe whatever you want to believe, and you know, it's cool. It could be an eagle or a kite or whatever. No. Once you get up to it and you see it's a pole and a note, and the note says, this is a note on a pole. It is a note on the pole. That settles it. And so when it comes to truth, you may be searching. You may be on a journey. You may not be sure what it is, but once you get up to it and you get up to the man on the pole, Jesus Christ, who died for you. That is fact. That is truth. And you have to do something with that. And so it doesn't matter what you think it is. Truth is truth. And that settles it. And so God wrote a letter. In fact, he wrote uh, 66 letters written through 40 different authors throughout 1,500 years in three different continents, in three different languages, with no contradictions and one central theme, which is Jesus Christ. How is that possible? God wrote it. It is true. We find it. It is called the Bible. It all points to Jesus Christ. And so all truth leads to Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, I am the only way. I am the only truth. I am the only life. And no one can get to the Father except through me. And so only Christians can experience the truth of God and the love of God. And this is found in the Word of God that leads us to Jesus Christ, who is God Himself. Let's pick up some speed here. It says, and also all those who know the truth. Here's another important Greek word for you scholars. The word know is gnosko. This is not something that you know from reading. This is something that you know from experience. Uh, the word can even mean intercourse or intimacy. And so experiencing Jesus, this is being intimate with the truth, being loved by God, a living and true God, and He is the closest person that could ever be in your life because He literally lives inside of you. And so uh, this is something that we need. And this is something, again, that is transcendent. Uh, it can only be experienced in Christ. In fact, God said that truth is beyond comprehension. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so God's truth is transcendent. It needs to be experienced, but also the love of God is beyond comprehension. As Paul penned in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, may you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. So Christian experience of truth and love. Um, again, it may be a controversial statement, but it's absolutely true. Only Christians can experience God's love. 
Only Christians can experience the truth. And it's found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 2, it says, Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. And so he says this truth lives inside of us. Abide is one of John's favorite um, analogies for the Christian life is that we live inside of Christ and He lives in us. Uh, Jesus gave this illustration of uh, the, the grapevine and that the fruit of the Christian uh, comes from hanging out with Jesus, being close to Jesus. And um, we're going to get in here, verse 3, this is actually my favorite verse in all the Bible. Um, it's mentioned at least 15 times in the Bible, and I think when it comes to repetition, uh, it must be important. It's full of rich theology, awesome good stuff, but I don't want to be here all night in verse 3. So it says, grace, mercy, peace be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. We get the love of God, the grace of God, not just mercy, which is not getting what you deserve, but grace is getting what you don't deserve. And God gave us grace, loving kindness at the cross, that it cost God everything to pour out his life, to pour out his blood. It cost us nothing except faith to believe in him. And then we have the grace of God. Mercy. Uh, this is goodwill or compassion. Uh, M-E-R-C-Y. Messiah erases reasons condemning you. I thought that was kind of good. Uh, but this is God's compassion towards us. That he knows that we are sinners. That he knows that we are made of dust. And it's mentioned, uh, Paul, in his uh, greetings, that he would mention this. He would do the same greeting, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But he would add mercy in the pastoral uh, epistles. And I think this is fitting because when you're in ministry, you're trying to represent God. And you are finite man or woman trying to represent infinite, holy God, and we need mercy to do this. And everybody's called to do this as a Christian. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. And so each and every one of us as Christians has the ministry of reconciliation, and so we do need mercy. Peace. Um, this could mean personal or national tranquility. Uh, notice also that grace is before peace. Amen? That you can't experience the peace of God until you experience the grace of God. And Jesus came to give us the peace of God, that we are at war with God. That as we sin, uh, some theologians say that that's cosmic treason, that we sin against a holy God that made us, and we choose knowing that it's bad, we do it anyway. And we get peace with God because Jesus died for our sins. And so now we are not enemies of him. Instead, we are children of him. But also we get the tranquility to the peace of God that passes understanding and the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace. And it says here, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I think it's interesting that the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned, which Jesus said that would be true, that the Holy Spirit would always point to the Son. Um, but I think that 
truth and love is always a picture of the Spirit, that it is the Spirit of truth and that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Second point I have here in verses 4 through 6 is the traveling truth and love. Um, Again, J. Vernon McGee, uh, I love listening to him. He said this, uh, Now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty where the rubber meets the road, where the ball hits the bat. Like, no one would ever say that in 2018. That's such like a 1950s thing, but I thought it was cool. Um, But this is not just an ethereal concept. Love and truth. This is something that we actually have to live out. Now that we know theology, theology helps us to actually act it out. And so that's what John is getting here, um, that it has to, we have to walk these things out, what we believe. It says in verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And so he says, I rejoiced greatly. Uh, The Greek word here is kairo, which means to be glad, to thrive, or to re-joy, to joy over and over again. And uh, this is, you know, quite literally cheering for people that are doing good. That's what John is doing here. And we go to a sporting event and we cheer for our team. We go to a band and we cheer during the performance or a graduation. They finally get the diploma and we cheer. Um, And this word rejoice, meaning to joy over and over again, I think it's important to do this because not all the time are we happy. Are we excited about what's going on in our life? Um, There are things that happen that are not fun. And so we need to rejoy. We need to consider again, what are the blessings in my life starting with Jesus Christ and going from there? And I think too, we need to know the difference between uh, happiness and joy. Happiness is based upon happenstance or circumstance. And joy is based upon Christ. The solid, the solid rock that we stand upon. It's upon heaven stance, that I am seated in the heavenly places, that when I die, I will go to heaven. And uh, I was thinking about this this last Christmas, and I got a, a present uh, that made me very, very happy and also very, very sad. Uh, it was a very cheap drone from Amazon. And uh, when I received it, I was like, this is so exciting. I've always wanted a drone. And uh, they actually, Amazon gave me two of them. And so I open it up. I'm like, sweet, thank you, Amazon. Extra happy. Yay, happy meter is up. And I open it up, and neither of them worked. So I had to, like, you know, take both apart and add the battery and do the whole thing. And uh, if you remember Christmas last year, very windy, but I was determined. And so I went outside with my boys. I'm like, we're flying a drone. This is going to be amazing. I fixed it up. And so I start flying it. And it flew for like maybe 20 seconds, and then it died. My happy meter went down. And I had to go back inside and charge my drone. Once it was charged, we went back outside, and I started chasing my boys with the drone. Like, ha, you know, uh, it just hit him a little bit. And I um, was very, very, very happy. And then a gust of wind came and picked up my drone and put it in a tree 20 feet up two blocks away, and I had to like listen for it, like everybody be quiet, and it's like, like, okay, follow the noise, and I saw it in a tree, not very happy, and uh, had to climb the tree, the drone fell, and so did I, and uh, I've never been happy since that day, and um, happiness comes and goes, 
but joy remains. And joy is found in the presence of God. And it's found one day in his presence where we will never leave, where we will be with him. It says in Psalm 16:11, in your presence there's fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so what makes you rejoy? I know it's not Christmas, unless it's thinking of Christ coming for us. I know it's not the presence. To rejoy, we think of Jesus Christ. We think of what he's done for us on the cross. We think of the fact that we are forgiven. We think of the fact that we're going to heaven. We think of the fact that we get to be used here on earth. We think of the fact that he has filled us with his Holy Spirit and there's nothing and no one that can take him away from us. That is where our joy comes from. And he says, but I'm, I'm rejoying, I'm rejoicing in the fact that your children are walking in the truth. And again, I have four boys. Uh, there's a progression of walking uh, for my boys. And we have a six-month-old right now, and so he's like going to be on the brink of crawling right now, and I'm going to have four movers. Not really excited about that. But right now, he's in like the skydiving position. That's his walking. Uh, eventually, he'll start crawling, and then he'll do like the drunken sailor kind of thing, you know, uh, where at two steps, and then he drops. And eventually, he's going to walk, and then he's going to run, and then he's going to do parkour uh, American Ninja Warrior in the name of Jesus. Um, but I think, too, for the Christian, we have stages in the walk. And so God has never called us to crawl, and God has never called us to sprint. He calls us to walk. When you see the Christian life, it's always a walk. It's not I'm trying to beat everybody else. It's just I'm walking with the Lord. I don't want to be too far ahead of him uh, that I'm getting in trouble. I don't want to be too far behind him uh, that I'm not at step with him. I want to walk with the Lord. And I love this. The first message that I heard, I heard this and it stuck with me uh, my whole life, is that you can take a million steps away from God and you take one step back and it's like you never left. And so if you're not walking with the Lord... I encourage you just turn back around. You'll see that he is there with his arms wide open, much like the prodigal son that ran away from his father. Uh, but once the father saw him, the father ran. And God is pursuing us, amen? Even when you are running away from the Lord, he, is, he has his eye on you. And so it says that, you know, I'm grateful, I'm rejoicing that some of your children walk in the truth, which means there may be some that aren't walking in the truth. And this is disheartening. But again, God is always chasing after us. And it says there in verse 4, as we have received commandment from the Father. There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And the Father gave us rules and gave his people rules. And this didn't mean, hey, follow these rules because I don't want you to have any fun. Uh, that's not what it means. I give my boys rules because they want to juggle knives and jump in fire. And so I say, don't do these things because you're going to get hurt. I, I want you to do these things because it's going to bless you. And so same thing with us. As we read the word and we are given commandments, it's not for God to say you can't have any fun, but to protect us. Verse 5, it says, And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I write or wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have heard from the beginning. 
that we love one another. And so he said, not a new commandment. Uh, You can say this, that if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. And he says that you've heard from the beginning. This could be from the beginning of time or from the beginning of uh, Christianity. Either way, God is a God of love. Uh, In the beginning was God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they were in perfect unity and love with one another, and they decided, since we are so loving, let's create man so we can love upon man. And then man sinned against God, and God said, you know what, let's, we have this story of redemption where we're going to show man the greatest way that we can love them, which is to die for man. And that's what he has done, and one day we will see our God of love and spend eternity with him. But because God is loving, and because God has commanded us, and because God lives inside of us, we are called to be loving, and it starts with one another, as John says. He says, agape, or love one another. And if you remember, Jesus was asked by somebody, what's the greatest commandment out of the 613? And he quoted the Shema, and he said, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, but also love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we love God, and He is pursuing us, and He is already loving us first, and we love Him, the love of God will be poured into our hearts so we can love one another. Uh, It starts and initiates from Him to other people. And Jesus said this very thing uh, right before He went to the cross in John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so the world is looking. It's looking at the church. It's looking at marriages, which is the, the beautiful picture of Christ loving the church. And they want to see love. They want to see God. And they find it here. And when people come into this fellowship, that they are loved by us because we are loving each other. Verse 6 says, This is love, that we walk according to the commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. And so he says, love is to keep the commandments. Something that my pastor would always say is, if you love Jesus, do whatever you want to do. I was like, oh man, dang, do whatever I want to do, all right. Uh, But if I love Jesus, then I am going to do what he says. I am going to be obedient. I am not going to break his heart or break his commandments. And so it says in Galatians chapter 5, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love defined as joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are going to be loving and there's no law against us because we don't have to feel, am I, am I lying? Am I stealing? Am I, what am, I, am I breaking the commandments? No, we're just in step with the Lord. We're walking with the Lord. We're in love with the Lord and we're being obedient to him. And it says that you should walk in it. Again, if you do one thing this year, in 2018, 
Read your Bible every day. From Genesis to Revelation, uh, I think that's the one thing that I try to do every single year. Uh, Point number three, tough truth and love found in verse 7 through 11. And um, we need tough truth. Um, There is a God and you are not him. And we need tough love is that I love you so much that I'm going to say no. You may not have chocolate for breakfast. I have to say that almost every day. Verse 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Many deceivers, the word deceiver is seducer, wanderer, misleader, or corrupter. And deceivers are all around us. They are sane and doing things that may seem irresistible. Uh, If it feels good, do it. If it looks good, do it. If you want to, you should. This is a lie. As the word deceiver is seducer, um, you know, go get a better, younger model or whatever it is. That is a lie. Uh, even a traveling man, you know, find a higher spiritual knowledge, read these books, go to these conferences, uh, even leading people well, a misleader. You know, maybe one of the greatest leaders was Hitler, who led an entire nation to do something very evil. And he said, tell a lie long enough and loud enough and people will believe it. He misled many people and even corrupting Um, There are lies all around us. This is uh, everybody trying to tell you to believe them. We can see this on false teaching. This could be on your TV, uh, website, books on your shelf, even neighbors next door. It can be blatant or it could be subtle. And it says they do not confess Jesus as coming in the flesh. They do not say the same thing. That's what confession means. And confession is very important to God. Uh, it says that you have to confess your sins and to be cleansed in 1 John chapter 1. Confess unto salvation in Romans chapter 10. And even we will all confess Jesus as Lord in Philippians chapter 2. And we need to confess the real Jesus. And there were people in that day and this day, they were called the Gnostics or the Knowers. They knew higher knowledge. Uh, we call them New Age thinkers today. That you can be God. That everything is God. That Jesus is less and that you are more. This is a lie and we must confess and walk with the true Jesus. And he says this deceiver is an antichrist. The word antichrist means instead of Christ. And so don't think of an antichrist as someone dressed in a red suit with a pitchfork like, come with me to hell. <laughs> uh, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to follow you. Instead, it's more subtle. It, it's not necessarily grotesque. It's just simply don't follow Jesus. Put something in the way instead of Jesus. And so what is in your life that may be taking the place of Jesus. Again, it's just God is less and you are more. That's the simple lie. It could be obvious. Sin, uh, in Galatians 5, there is a laundry list of sin um, that you can check out in verses 19 through 21, or it can be more subtle and just simple beliefs and even putting good things ahead of God like family or work or even ministry. 
It's getting in the place of God, getting in the place of Jesus. And Satan is a liar. He wants to deceive you. He hates you. He hates Jesus. And he wants to render you ineffective. And so Paul or John says in verse 8, he says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things that we've worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. And so he says, look to yourself. Now, I think this is interesting. Um, you go to the doctor. I go to the doctor and they give a health check and they tell us what's wrong. And we never be like, hey, you're so mean. How could you tell me that I'm unhealthy? How could you tell me that there's something wrong with me? But then we go to a church or we talk about the Lord and we say, this is wrong in your life. And like, how dare you? How dare you tell me what to do? Like, I'm good. But I think it's good to check ourselves. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say before you wreck yourself. Um, but to look to yourself, because this is serious. The word look to yourself is to take heed, to discern, to discover, to behold. We need to see if there's any wicked way within us and allow the Lord to shine light. In, in fact, Paul said in his farewell address to the Ephesians, he said in Acts chapter 20, Therefore, take heed or look to yourselves and the flock of God among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock also from among yourselves. Men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. And so we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to check our own lives, but also to minister to one another, to say hard things. It's called tough love. It's the most loving thing that we could do uh, because he says you will lose the things that you have worked for. And ministry is difficult. The word minister means under rower, the person under the boat that is just rowing by the beat of the drum. Uh, also, the correlation for ministry is a soldier, a farmer, and an athlete. And so it is hard work to live for the Lord and also to minister, but it says there will be a full reward. You want to receive a full reward because one day we will stand before our maker. And if you are not in Jesus Christ, you will be judged by the great white throne judgment. Every sin that you've ever done, every sin that you've ever thought, every intent of the heart will be judged because Jesus sees every single thing and you will be judged and sent to hell if you are not a Christian, a Christ believer. But for the Christian... We don't have the great white throne judgment. Instead, we have the Bema seat judgment where Jesus will bestow reward and those things will not be taken from us. He even says, if you give a cold cup of water to a child, I see that. Verse 9 says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And so transgressing means to go overstepping, to depart from, to leave. And God has placed boundaries in His Word, and when you overstep them, He must correct you. And this is, again, tough love and tough truth, but you must abide. You must stay in the house of God. Just imagine leaving a house that loves you, that there's a father that is pursuing you, that has affection and service for you, and he has placed rules in your life to keep you safe, and you say no. 
I don't want you. I don't care about your love. You leave, you abandon, you transgress, and I encourage you, do not leave the house of God. And in fact, God lives inside of us and He will never leave us, forsake us, but stay in the presence of Christ. And it says, in the doctrine of Christ. Again, if you do one thing this year, 2018, read your Bible every day, front to back. And if you, it says, if you do not abide, you do not have God. And so if you're not a Christian and you're hearing this, you need to make a decision. You need to make a decision for Jesus Christ. You need to make Him Lord. Lord of your life. You need to submit to Him um, and spend eternity with Him. And eternity starts now. And it says to abide, you both have, you have both the Father and the Son. Verse 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So, if anyone comes to you and does not bring the doctrine of Jesus Christ, do not receive him into your homes. Um, Again, this is in context, the early church went from house to house. There would be teachers that would come into the house and would teach. And John's saying, if someone tries to get into your house and isn't teaching what the Bible says, kick them out. Don't even bring them into the house. Now, if people come knocking on your door, and this happens from time to time, and they are little girls with thin mints, buy those cookies. But if they are other guys with ties and they say, Elder, do not let them in your house. They are deceivers. It is a false religion. Same thing, Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. And so, it's not just on our door. But it's on our TVs. It's on our cubicles. There are people that want to deceive you. Uh, A friend of mine works with counterfeit money, and he said in training, no one ever gave him counterfeit money to study. Instead, it was always the real thing, and he would just touch the real thing. And then whenever he came in contact with counterfeit, he would notice this is fake money. And so for us, we don't necessarily need to study all these false religions. Instead, study this. Know the truth. If you do one thing this year, just saying, I think that you should read the Bible from front to back. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Um, And it says, do not receive them into your house. This is very practical. Um, Not to associate with deceivers. I'm going to list a few. Like I said, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. Um, neither their books or their materials. Don't let them into your house. Eastern philosophy, uh, philosophy, Buddhism, New Age philosophy, health, wealth, and prosperity, word of faith movement. Um, I don't want my family exposed to this garbage. Um, I warn my family, my wife and I talk about this. I'm training my boys that way. When a wolf does come to them, they know what to say, but I want them to know the truth. And so these are obvious things. But there are less obvious things uh, that I don't want into my home. And so I would just encourage you, it's not just at your doorstep. Uh, It's everything. The world system, anti-God system, Satan hates you and he's trying to lie and deceive you. And so if you stick into this thing and spend time here, it's going to keep you from lies. It's going to keep you in the presence of God. It's going to keep you abiding with Christ. And so I encourage you, pick up your Bibles every day. 
And um, it says, nor greet him. The word greet means to rejoice or to be glad. And so it's not necessarily like don't say hi to people like, oh, you're a deceiver. Mormon. No, I can't even look at you. Um, No, we want to love them. But just don't bring them into the home. Don't bring them into you. You go and you minister to them outside of the home. But the word is bid them Godspeed. Don't say I'm praying for you. Don't say God bless you. Because I don't want God. God's not going to bless their work. Their work is false. And so don't be excited about what they're doing and greet them. Uh, It says, he who greets them shares in his evil deeds. And the word shares is to fellowship or to partake. And so you can do all the right things and not call out the wrong things, and that is disobedient. It's not loving. Just imagine if the building was on fire and you knew it and you just snuck out of the building instead of actually saying there's a fire in the building. Or if you had an antidote for cancer and you took it and you were cured and everybody else needed it and you kept it to yourself, that's the most unloving thing that you can possibly do. And that's what God has given us, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus, God, man, died for our sins, rose again, proving he's God. If you place your trust in him, then you will spend eternity with him. This is a news, this is an antidote that we need to get out and let people know. The fourth thing I'm just going to read, but it's a tangible truth and love. Verse 12 and 13. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Well, John was known for his brevity, and I still have to learn from that. Uh, I got a lot to learn. But one of my favorite stories about John is in the end of his life is he would go from town to town uh, after he got the revelation of Jesus Christ, and he was unable to walk. And so they would take him on a cot, and they would move him from uh, town to town, and he'd have the same message. And could you imagine John the Beloved came to Calvary Chapel Aurora like, oh man, what's he going to say? This is going to be amazing. And they sit him up and he says, little children, love one another. And then he gets back on his cot and goes to the next town. But that's really what we need to know, right? Is that we are loved by God, that we love God, we love Jesus Christ, and then we love one another. And that's what he's trying to get through. But sometimes to love one another, we need to say hard things. And so he's saying, I, you know, the Bible's awesome. I want to write to you. This is great stuff, but there's nothing like face-to-face. And that's when confrontation and may the Holy Spirit speak to you. If there's something that you need to say to a brother or sister that is difficult, that is true, but it's loving, you should do that face-to-face. And so... In closing, these are the things that we have been called to, is to live a life of truth and love. And again, truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy, but truth and love is Christianity. And so in response to truth and love, I encourage you to read the Bible every day to get the truth of God into you and to allow God to reveal what is not true in you and to allow him to pour his grace and to pour his love into your heart and life, but also the truth will be on your lips and you will be speaking truth and you will be loving just like Jesus. 
as we are abiding in Him. But that is for the Christian. For the non-Christian, if you are in our midst, give your life to Jesus. There has been truth that was spoken. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus died for your sin, that He loves you dearly, and that you will die. And where are you going to spend eternity? is up to you and how you respond to the gospel. And so I encourage you tonight, if you have not responded to the truth of God and the love of God, that you do it tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love. God, we ask that you would reveal your love, Lord, that we would experience your love more and more each day, Lord, as we read your word. God, we ask that this year, 2018, Lord, that you would give us the strength and ability to be in the Word every day as a people. And God, that you would use us, that you would use the Word in and through our lives, we ask. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.